You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, well, there's nothing you can't ask on the Savage Podcast. Last week, Senator John Kyle went onto the floor of the Senate to claim that 90% of what Planned Parenthood does is, is abortion. And when people jumped down his throat and pointed out that only 3% of the services that Planned Parenthood provides are abortion-related services, he claimed that his statement, you know, on the floor of the U.S. Senate being read into the congressional record that 90% of what Planned Parenthood does is abortion was not intended to be a factual statement. Stephen Colbert has been having a lot of fun on the Colbert Report with us, uh, and I've been enjoying the shit out of what Stephen Colbert is doing to Senator John Kyle, including yesterday calling him gay and then saying that is not intended to be a factual statement. You can really get away with a lot now with this not intended to be a factual statement disclaimer. You can say pretty much any fucking thing you want to. Ironically, and this makes me crazy, you know, most of what Planned Parenthood does uh, STI screenings, but also birth control and contraception, they have a net gain. Uh, if you're opposed to abortion, you should support Planned Parenthood because of the work they do uh, disseminating information about contraception uh, leads to there being fewer abortions. Planned Parenthood prevents more abortions than they perform by a factor of like five or ten. Intended to be a factual statement. Don't have time to look it up. If I got it wrong, please call and let me know. Gail Collins had a column in the New York Times last week, last uh, Thursday, that you all really need to go and read. Uh, if you didn't read it yet, go to New York Times or nytimes.com, click on opinion, click on Gail Collins, read her latest column. You should be reading Gail Collins anyway because she's hilarious. And what really distinguishes this column from most of Gail Collins' excellent columns is that it's not particularly funny. She's often right there with the joke and with the Republican presidential field shaking out the way it is. She's got a lot of slow-moving targets uh, and it's been a real pleasure reading her column lately. There's no jokes in this column and the title of the column is Behind the Abortion War. And she walks you through what's really going on, why they keep attacking abortion when they're attacking Planned Parenthood when only 3%, again, of what Planned Parenthood does is, is abortion. And it's because the right-wing Republican Party, the batshit nutjobs in their base, they don't have just an anti-abortion agenda. They have an anti-contraception agenda. I'm going to read a little bit from uh, Collins's column. For eons now, people have been wondering why the two sides can't just join hands, the pro-choice, pro-life sides, can't just join hands and agree to work together to reduce the number of abortions by expanding the availability of family planning services and contraception. The answer, Collins goes on, is that a large part of the anti-abortion community is also anti-contraception. The fact is, she's quoting here, that 95% of the contraceptives on the market kill the baby in the womb, said Jim Sedlak of the American Life League. Fertility in babies are not diseases, said Gene Monahan of the Family Research Council's Center for Human Dignity, which has been fighting against requiring insurance plans to cover contraceptives under the new health care law. They're attacking Planned Parenthood because they want to stop contraception in America too, not just abortion. And – Wide, and this is a minority position. They're using abortion that a lot of people have ambivalent feelings about, even a lot of pro-choice people have ambivalent feelings about, to undermine access to contraception in America, which will lead to more abortions in America. It's 
batshit through the looking glass land. So go read Gal's column from last week. She really breaks it down. There are wackos in the GOP base and lots of GOP elected officials who believe that contraception is abortion and just as many base and elected GOP wackos don't want women having sex without having to risk pregnancy. And as their efforts to block the HPV vaccine a few years ago made clear, they don't even want women to have sex without having to risk disease, cancer, and death. You know, when you hear that the GOP wants to shrink the size of government, what they really mean is they want to shrink government just enough that they can stuff it in your fucking vagina because that's where they believe the government belongs. That's why they want to shrink the size of government. Your call's after this. This episode is brought to you by Netflix. Watch thousands of TV episodes and movies streamed to your PC, Mac, or TV instantly. Plus, get DVDs by mail in about one business day. For a free 30-day trial, go to netflix.com slash savage. This episode is brought to you by adamandeve.com, where you can find over 18,000 adult entertainment products for every lifestyle. To receive 50% off most any item, plus three adult DVDs, plus an extra gift, plus free shipping, visit adamandeve.com and enter savage at checkout. Hi, Dan. Um, I've been listening to your show for a long time and reading your column. I have a question. I'm having an affair with a man who has a girlfriend, and it came out probably three weeks into our texting, like the beginning, that he wanted to have a threesome with a man. And then a little while longer, it came out that he wanted to give a man a blowjob. And then it came out that he wanted to have sex with a man. And he asked me if I'd be interested, and I said yes. I'm not really interested for my own benefit for having sex with him and watching him have sex with a man because I'm assuming that the man would probably be gay. And I kind of wonder if my lover is gay. And I kind of want to help him. I think when he crosses that line, he might not come back. I'm not really sure. But I don't know if I'm pushing it. I know that he's mentioned it, but I've kind of taken it to the next level and said maybe we should hire someone. So anyway, um, yes, I really don't know um, what the next step is, but it seems that he's in that, he's on a trajectory towards having sex with a man. And I'm okay with that, but I'm pretty sure he probably is gay. A lot of closeted guys, younger, even some older, will have their first same-sex sexual experiences in the exonerating presence of a woman, just like you said, you know, there's this line. And if he crosses that line, is he going to come back? And maybe not. Maybe he's gay. There are some guys who really want to be escorted up to and over that line by a woman because perhaps it makes it feel less gay or less final, that they haven't gone completely over the dark side because there you are. The only question you have to ask yourself is whether you want to be his escort, not in the I'm getting paid for sex way, but in the I'm going to roam across the River Gates sort of way. It sounds like you like him, uh, despite feeling that perhaps he's a closet case who needs to ditch the bitch, in which case that would be you, and I, I mean that in the nicest possible sense, but ditch the bitch, make the switch, as they used to say back in the 80s. And I would encourage you, if you're down with it, to do this with and for him, so long as you can get him to admit that this is what's going on. You know, have a talk with him. Are you gay or bi? And it's a possibility that he's bi. And I'm sure there are bi listeners who are already on the phone screaming at me who didn't even listen this far into the program yet. There's a possibility that he's bi. And this is also monumental 
and and so built up and the stakes are so high that it's just making him seem squirmy and squirrely and that's making him see, seem you know gayer uh, than he might otherwise because it all feels like so consequential uh, not because he's gay but because he's bi and just revealing that uh, he has any attraction to men uh, even if it's only 30%, 40% attracted to men for him was so uh, scary that the way he behaved led you to believe that he might be 100% gay. So have a talk with him. Are you gay or bi? Either. If you're gay or bi and I'm like the last woman you're ever going to mess around with, uh, that's fine and I'm happy to help you, you know, walk you up to that line if you need a girl to hold your hand. But you got to level with me and see what he says. So have a conversation with him, gay or bi. Tell him in advance that gay or bi you're willing to help him. You're willing to walk him up uh, and walk him across that line, if you are. And I would encourage you to do just that. Dan, I'm hoping you can help me. I'm having a really hard time making a decision here. Um, I'm late 20s, heterosexual male. I've been dating a, a lovely, um, amazing woman, really. Just a, a woman who I, who I fell for right away and who I love. Um, she has a child, uh, he's five, he's a great kid, and we've been going along, and for whatever reason, I've just run into this dead end of this, like, uh, like this, like the future becoming a specter out there where I just can't imagine, like, becoming a father to this boy right now in my life. I, I just don't feel ready. And I don't know why that is. Uh, I, I feel like I could be ready. Uh, and this woman's love is very special. And yet I'm balking and I'm balking. And I ended up, you know, it kind of came to a head last week and I broke it off. And now I'm staring into this abyss of there's this woman who loves me and I feel like I'm rejecting her amazing gift. I do know I'm incredibly confused and... You know, all things considered, you know, it's not a perfect relationship, but it is damn good. And um, I don't know. I mean, is it is it wrong to to stay in this relationship not knowing if I can be a father to this child? She's a single mom. She doesn't have much support out here. And I just don't know what to do. There is no perfect relationship. So that you're looking at this and going, it's not a perfect relationship. Everybody can say that. So just set that aside. That's the first thing I want to say. You say, is it fair to stay in this relationship not knowing if I can be a father to this child? Nobody really knows that they can be a parent to anyone. It's making up your mind to be a parent to someone and then going through the fucking motions of being that child's parent that makes you that child's parent that makes you capable of being that child's parent the only way you're going to find out if you're capable of being this child's father is to commit to this child to commit to being his father to commit to being his mother's partner and then going the fuck through with it so don't stand there wringing your hands because you're filled with doubt about whether you can do this everybody who has a child biological step otherwise has had the same doubts and fears and then have just toughed, pushed through it and done it. You can do it too. You're almost 30. You say that you can't imagine being a father at this stage of your life. Well, if not now, then fucking when? And if not for this woman, then for fucking who? And have a little empathy 
not for her and not for yourself. You got a little too much of that. Have a little empathy for this kid who you're putting in this position in his mother's eyes of being the cause of her isolation, of her loneliness, of her sexual deprivation, of really being – you say she's got very little support out there. Now she has even less because you've walked away because of him. Think of him and what you're doing to him, what the world has done to him. Maybe it's time for a couple of adults to step up and take care of this child and maybe you are one of those adults, that other adult that he needs to step up and parent him and be there for him. Man the fuck up. You know, good a good relationship with someone that you love that's not perfect, none of them are, but someone that you really feel a connection to and you say this is an amazing relationship, she's an amazing woman, the, the love was amazing. That is nothing to throw off, to walk away from for a bullshit reason like I just don't know if I'm ready to be a parent yet. No parent alive except for maybe the Dugers know that they're ready to be parents when they have their first child. And look at you. You get to skip nighttime feedings and diapers and toilet training. You know, a kid who's five, six, seven years old is a kid that's kind of on fucking autopilot already. There are going to be tough times. There are going to be issues. There will be stressful moments. But you got to jump past a whole hell of a lot of the shit you might not think you were ready for. By becoming the parent of a kid who's already five. A kid who's already been carried past a lot of finish lines. If you love this woman, love her child. Commit to them both. Man the fuck up. I know you've talked about before how you shouldn't open up a relationship um, whenever it's bad. It should, should be whenever it's a good thing. Um, and everything's tr- everyone's trusting and all that. Um, but I guess I was wondering what you thought about um, making a relationship open as like a transition state between um, being together and breaking up. Um, I recently broke up with my boyfriend and both of us are having a real hard time with it. And we, while I know I don't want to get back together with him for real, like, I guess, kind of the idea of him still being like my semi-boyfriend in an open relationship is kind of appealing because I'd still have that safety and comfort and everything and the sex um, as well as getting to do my own thing. So what do you think about that? (laughs) Thanks. I can see why that setup would be attractive for you as the person who dumped that other person. You get to have everything on your own terms. You get to have, as you said, safety and comfort and sex and do your own thing. But let's think for a moment what he gets to have. He gets to have this heartbreak and rejection extended for a longer period of time. He gets to live in false hope. He gets to get dumped again when you find somebody else, somebody better, somebody that you want to fuck and be with in a relationship sense. That's not okay. I can see what's in it for you, but what's in it for him and what it says about you that you would even consider this both negative. He's going to get hurt and you shouldn't want to hurt him more than you've already hurt him by dumping him. So it's one thing if, you know, a relationship ends and two people can then transition to fuck buddies and it didn't end with one person dumping the other, but this sort of amicable mutual recognition that we're not right for each other, but we click as friends and 
we have a really great sexual rapport, so let's just, you know, mess around every once in a while uh, and not be officially anything to each other but friends who fuck. That's not this. That's not what you've described. So it's not okay. And I don't think you can do this to him. I'm sure he might agree to it. Again, false hopes. He might think that this is the way to get back into your affections, back into an official relationship status. But you shouldn't do it. Don't do it to him. This podcast is brought to you by Netflix. Netflix delivers movies to your home in about one business day. Plus, you can instantly stream thousands of TV episodes and movies directly to your PC or Mac or right to your TV through Netflix-enabled devices such as the Xbox 360, PS3, or Nintendo Wii, all without late fees or due dates. One of the movies available to watch instantly this week on Netflix is Hot Tub Time Machine, starring John Cusack, Rob Cordray, Craig Robinson, Clark Duke, and others. It is funny. For a free trial and to instantly watch this movie or choose from thousands of TV episodes or other movies, go to netflix.com slash savage. Be sure to sign up at that URL, netflix.com slash savage, for your free 30-day trial. Hey, Dan. 40-year-old male here. Um, I've been dating this girl for a couple of weeks, and she's a fair bit younger than me. She's 29. And uh, at first it was really awesome and because she's a lot of the things that I want. She's smart. She's very smart and analytical, and we can talk. She's extremely attractive to me, uh, very, very fit, and you know has the body and everything that I really like. Um, sex is very uh, important to her, and she's very open, and so that's all been very nice and and I really see that as um, an awesome opportunity. And we also like to do a lot of the same activities, which are a lot of outdoor things where it's actually, um, it's almost a complete requirement that I have someone like that that, that I can do things with. Um, on the bad side, um, she's kind of uh, crazy, uh, i got to say, that there's a lot of drama constantly, and a lot of it seems self-inflicted by things she does and things that she um, she, she thinks, you know, strange, irrational behaviors and thoughts that she has and reactions that she has to, you know, so sort of reasonable comments or something that I might make um, would cause a very strange reaction from her. Um, and so there's a lot of unpredictability, and this puts a lot of stress into my life that, that was never there before, and I really can't stand the stress. Just a, a few examples of things like, um, you know, I, I said, you know, we've been going out for a few weeks, so I said, we were talking about moving in at some point. I'm like, I don't want you to move in at this point, which she took to mean uh, I never want you to ever move in and you're not ever welcome at my house, even if you're just hanging out for the night. Um, so things like that that just have sort of a extreme reactions that I don't think are appropriate. Uh, it's kind of hard to predict and deal with. So I'm kind of always uh, stressed, and, and I can't stand that. I, I'm starting to suspect that my whole reason for dealing with this is, is really just about the sex and really just about maybe stroking my ego that this really amazing hot uh, 29 year old girl seems very interested in me when I'm 11 years her senior um, and I guess I want to know if you know how do I know if it's really worth it because the sex thing is actually um, uh, it's really an awesome thing and it's really important but with all of the drama that goes with it, it it really I'm not sure that it is you're not the only one getting an ego boost out of this situation. Uh, she is as well. You know, there's two ways that sadism for fun and sport mani manifests itself in sexual relationships. One is like honest, like, hey, I'm into whips and chains and I want to spank your butt and make you scream because that makes my dick hard or my pussy wet. And then we'll totally fuck like rabbits. Then we'll 
uh, put our clothes on and go out and get something to eat and talk like friends and love each other. That's the good way. Then there's the bad way, which is drama and bullshit and putting somebody on a, a figurative rack instead of a literal fun party time rack. That's what she's doing to you. You say, oh, I'm 40 and she's 29. Oh, she's paying t- attention to me sexually and there's a big ego boost there. What she's going is, look at the way I can jerk this asshole around. And he stays. I must be fucking hot. If he's willing to put up with this kind of drama and bullshit, I must be hot. She's getting that kind of ego boost out of it. You're two weeks into this relationship, you said. Two weeks you've been dating this girl. You should be in the blazing honeymoon stage. You should be not even leaving the honeymoon suite stage of the honeymoon stage right now. And two weeks in, drama and bullshit and hand-holding and, you know, bank shot, reverse double backflip, ego boost manipulations going on. And it now fuck her one more time when she's being insane. Just fuck the shit out of her. There's no fucking any sense into her. And then bolt. This is a frog in the frying pan situation. She's just going to turn the heat up until she finds your breaking point, finds that point where you do cut her off, where you do leave her. And you don't want to be there long enough. You don't want to be in that frying pan long enough for her to find that point. End it now. Looking to spice things up in the bedroom? Fantasizing about surprising your lover with an adventurous new toy or adult movie? Well, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to adamandeve.com for a limited time only. You'll get 50% off just about any item. And that's not all. There's more. You'll also receive three free adult DVDs plus a free extra gift plus free shipping on your entire order. Check out adamandeve.com today for this special offer. That's adamandeve.com and enter Savage at checkout. Hey, Dan. Um, I am a 30-something queer woman living in a big metropolitan area. I've been with my partner about four and a half years now, and she and I broke up about a year ago um, for a short period of time, about eight months or so. And during that time, I moved to this big, amazing, queer-friendly city and had wonderful, amazing, exploratory sex with fucking hot genderqueer people. So now I'm back together in this relationship with my partner, um, and our sex life sucks. And we've recently opened our relationship up again, and so I'm starting to get to have sex with all of these amazing, hot queers. Uh, and therefore, I'm actually not having sex with my partner. And if we do, our dynamic is really weird, and I'm just wondering what your thoughts are. And what should I do? I mean, is that acceptable? I'm like calling all of my fuck buddies around town when I really want to get laid and experiment and do some of the wild stuff that I'm into. And then I come home and read books and fall asleep early with my partner. And that just seems like maybe it's not sustainable or maybe we're doing something wrong. Maybe I need to stop fucking with other people and start fucking her more often. Anyway, you're my personal love guru and I'd love to hear what you think do a lot of slagging off of closed and monogamous relationships on the show. They get a lot of compliments everywhere else. So I figure there should be one sex podcast or one sex advisor on the planet whose default assumption isn't always that a closed or monogamous relationship is in every way superior to an open relationship. That said, there are ways in which, you know, monogamous and closed relationships are superior. Paternal security, you know that kid's yours. That's one way. Uh, fewer sexually transmitted infections, less risk of acquiring a sexually transmitted infection. That is another way. Uh, a, a third way in a way that kind of applies to you 
in your particular situation is you can't really avoid conflict when it comes to sexual uh, dissatisfaction. If your partner is your sole source of sexual gratification and the relationship is no longer gratifying or something's not working, you kind of have to address it if you're going to get sexual satisfaction, if your relationship is going to work sexually. You can't go find what works for you elsewhere and then just sort of shrug and head home and think, well, it doesn't matter that my sex life with my primary partner sucks because I get to have all this awesome sex with all these other people. So we can, I can have lousy sex or no sex with my partner um, and I'm not in any way deprived because I'm having all this amazing sex with all the gender queers out there. I would encourage you not to necessarily close your relationship but to risk the relationship by really talking with your partner. Perhaps she's as dissatisfied as you are. You don't mention what she's up to. Is she getting laid elsewhere? Is she having as many adventures as you're having? It's possible that she's dying inside, knowing that you're running around fucking all these people and finding all your pleasure there and that you value sex with her so little and that you get so little out of it that you're just nodding off at night with a book uh, reeking of other men and women and gender queers. So really you should talk to her and say, I, you know, say what you said to us. This is what's going on. Like sex with other people, kind of great sex between you and me feels like it's kind of, we've lost the thread or we've lost the passion. Do you feel the same way? How do we get it back? Because you should want to have awesome sex with her too. And you can, there's nothing about having awesome sex with other people that precludes having awesome sex with your primary or long-term partner. A lot of people in, open relationships or who have opened their relationships report that they their passion for their partner is reignited. You know, and that's one of the ways in which we have rehearsed many times on this program, an open relationship can be superior to a closed relationship. Uh, is that, you know, bringing others in or having a little more freedom means you don't regard your partner as the death of freedom or adventure or new experiences or getting to see other people naked. Uh, and often people who are in open relationships will spend time talking about their experiences with other people with their primary partner and then fucking the shit out of each other. It makes them more horny for each other. But we don't have to go into the ways in which monogamous relationships or, or non-monogamous relationships can be superior because I was actually going to use this call so I could throw a bone or to the monogamous fans out there and let them know that in this way, you know, when there's a problem, uh, it must be addressed. A monogamous relationship can be superior. In not all cases, when there is a problem in a monogamous relationship, is that problem addressed? And in not all cases, in an open relationship either, is it going to be addressed? But it must be addressed in a closed relationship if you're going to have good sex. I'm not sure how to wind this up. This is unfamiliar territory for me, playing, paying compliments to closed and monogamous relationships. I'm, I'm not sure how, you, how, how, to, how to stick the dismount here, so I'm just going to uh, move on quickly to the next call. Hey, Dan, I'm a uh, 21-year-old straight male from Ontario, Canada, and I just can't seem to uh, come when I'm with women. So I've discovered this uh, last summer when I had my first sexually active relationship. Um, we were both virgins. I was 20, she was 21, and uh, she didn't really get off. She got off without really much of a problem. But no matter what we had tried, you know, hand jobs, blow jobs, irregular sex, I, I just couldn't get off. Um, we had tried a couple different things to address the issue, like we'd watch porn that I'd like, and um, we tried some, like, BDS sandwich we were both into. It's, you know... Nothing really happened. Um, like, uh, like I've, I've tried like touching myself because, like, you know, I know what I like or whatever. When she's in the room, and I still kind of climax. Um, I kind of get to the point where I, I feel like I should be coming, like naturally it would, but I just don't get get to the climax. Anyway, when we were when we were together, 
was able to climax by just masturbating and thinking about it. So I don't really think she was the problem. And I've never really had a problem mastering with other people around, you know, like another teenager. My parents would be in the next room and I'd be off just fine. So anyway, as a result of all this, I became a pretty decent in fingering and giving in the oral sex. You know, they really don't seem to mind it. It makes them pretty happy and I kind of get off on their getting off. But um, a little while ago, I entered into a friends with benefits relationship with a uh, friend of mine from school. And the issue has kind of become relevant again. Um, Lost Santa's over at her house and, you know, things got going. She tried to give me a hand job and... No, nothing happened. And I kind of felt a bit disappointed, and she was kind of a bit disappointed, and we kind of felt bad about the whole situation. Um, I don't know if you had any kind of, you know, what I can do to get over this. Everything I want to tell you to do, it sounds like you're kind of already doing. You're not too stressed out about this. You're relaxed about it. You're with people that you're comfortable uh, being intimate with. And yet the problem persists. I would encourage you to continue doing what you're doing. Keep having the sex that you're enjoying with your, your partner or partners. You know, oral sex, uh, digital manipulation of them. And, and just keep taking deep breaths and give yourself permission, explicit permission not to come uh, in these encounters. Just say, you know, my dick works the way it works. And right now this is the way it works. Hopefully I'll get there. But let's enjoy this moment. Enjoy this time. Enjoy this act. Even if I don't blow a load. It's not all about... You and your orgasms and, you know, the whole world says to men, you know, it doesn't have to be about you. It doesn't have to be so dick-centered. And then a man comes along who can't come or it takes him a very long time to come and the whole world freaks out. Apparently it is about uh, the man and whether he can blow a load. So just keep masturbating. And I would encourage you, you know, you say you've tried to get yourself off with someone else there. Keep doing that. Keep exploring that. If you can come with somebody in the next room, <laughs> your parents, hopefully they don't have to always be in the next room for you to come. But if you can come with somebody in the next room, you should be able to come with somebody in the room. Um, hopefully not your parents. Uh, so with your new partner, you know, be intimate, fuck the shit out of her. You know, one of the good parts about not being able to ejaculate, even if you are erect um, and, and participating, is you can last forever. You know, fuck the shit out of her, give her what she needs, get her off, and then masturbate uh, for, with, next to her uh, and get yourself off. Just because you couldn't, you know, bring yourself to climax with that previous girl doesn't mean that moving into the future you won't be able to do that with this girl or the next girl or the girl after that. Um, But you won't find out what you're capable of until you try. So keep trying. And hopefully this is a problem that will resolve itself in time as you find what works for you uh, and find what gets you there and gets you off. Hello, Dan. I am an avid listener, and I just wanted to thank you so much for the tools that you gave me to be able to discuss an open relationship with my boyfriend. Thanks to you, I was able to enjoy a trip to Vegas with a free pass, quote-unquote. And uh, while there, uh, I was able to use that free pass and decide not to use it. I um, was uh, spoken. I spoke to a handsome gentleman for the majority of one of my nights there. And when I discovered that he did not believe in gay marriage, I decided not to use my free pass. Even though I was tipsy, apparently I went up to one of my girlfriends and whispered, "He doesn't believe in gay marriage. Get me out of here!" And decided to leave him because of that. And uh, even though I've always believed in free marriage for everyone, I think it was uh, your influence that made me use my um, womanly tools as a way to continue the fight. Thank you so much for all the work you do. Thank you for sharing that heartwarming story. Two two quick points, Uh, you know, about open relationships. A lot of people believe that, you know, if somebody is in an open relationship, uh, 
That means they're fucking other people at every opportunity. Not true. You can uh, be in an open relationship and fuck other people and also choose not to fuck other people, as the case may be. And you chose not to fuck this guy for very good reasons. And we appreciate that. We appreciate that you didn't get that guy off, that anti-gay marriage guy. Wouldn't it be great if this spread sort of Lisi Strata-like through the culture, just this meme that like women don't sleep with men who oppose marriage equality? Because homophobia, ladies, again, it is misogyny's younger brother and a guy who hates gays or is afraid of gays on some level hates and fears women too. So yeah, don't fuck those haters and let them know that that's why you're not fucking them. I hope uh, even if you didn't go back, you sent one of your girlfriends back over there to tell him that he lost, that he had acts, he could have had you, he could have had some fine pussy, but because he's uh, a bigot, it cost him. Hey, Dan, I'm calling in response to episode 234 and about the older man who had problems with his cum. Um, I would just advise him to try a little anal play and a little bit of prostate massage. It really works on this young gay man. I don't know about an older man in his 40s, but it's worth a shot. Hi, Dan. It's Mark from Chicago calling from about your one-minute podcast and the ejaculate questions. Uh, keep in mind, quitting smoking definitely increases your ejaculate and the pleasure that you feel when you ejaculate. I was a smoker for 17 years, had very decreased. And then when I quit smoking, about a month later, it all came flooding back, so to speak. So just a little advice to those callers. Hi, again, I'm calling about the man who wants to increase the quantity of his load. Um, it is possible to get more ejaculate if you masturbate or uh, have sex to the point of arousal, but don't come, come back, do it again a few hours later, come back, do it again, and uh, then your load will be bigger. At least that's the way it has worked for my boyfriend. Hope that helps. Okay, I'm listening to the new episode of the Savage Love cast, and I cannot believe you recommended you could be as loud as the hell you want when you're making love to get your neighbors to quiet down the activities a little bit. We had some very loud neighbors with the bedroom right above ours, and we played that up the laundry chute, actually, um, very loud for maybe 15 minutes on repeat or so, and we never heard them again, and um, it was pretty awesome. So I am super excited that you recommended that because it works. I hope the caller takes your advice to heart. Thanks, Dan. Bye. And we're going to leave it there. 206-201-2720 is the number. Quickly, though, before you go. Uh, Tim LaFollette for the Popovers, which is the band that recorded the Savage Love cast theme song, uh, has a new album out, new full-length album, where you can uh, also hear the full and complete version of the Savage Love cast theme song. The album is available for download at thepopovers.com. Personal favor to me, Tim LaFollette has uh, been suffering from ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease, uh, and uh, he needs your love and support. So please uh, go to thepopovers.com, check out the album, give it a listen if you like it. Please download it and buy it. None of us have long on this earth. We all want to make a mark, leave a legacy. We all want to be remembered. And uh, I think it would be good for Tim to know that now we're thinking of him uh, and we're listening to his music and we're enjoying his music while he's still with us. Thepopovers.com. Please go and check it out. Also, one of the funnest parts of the It Gets Better book tour for me was getting to meet a lot of the contributors all around the country at the different cities I went to on the book tour with Terry and Without. And while I was in Dallas, I got to meet 
Stephen Sprinkle, a professor of divinity and ordained Baptist minister at Bright Divinity School. And he has a new book out, Unfinished Lives, Reviving the Memories of LGBTQ Hate Crime Victims. It's available at Amazon. I'm reading it right now myself. It's terrifically moving. It's a tough subject. Um, but Stephen writes about it uh, with such compassion and insight and tenderness that it's worth it. Uh, again, Stephen Sprinkle's new book, Unfinished Lives, Reviving the Memories of LGBTQ Hate Crimes Victims, uh, available in paperback at Amazon and other bookstores. Please check it out. 206-201-2720. That's the number here. Please record a question or a comment for a future show for us. And uh, we'll be back at you next week. Me and the Tech Heavy at Rescue with another installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thanks for downloading. <laughs>